The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, y'all. This is Houseguest, and I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. Think a Gen Z wannabe Martha Stewart meets Dolly Parton trying to live in a Nancy Myers movie in her 20s. We talk all about life, relationships, navigating your 20s, closing out the bars, or waking up at 5 a.m., depending on our vibe that week. Ultimately, living our best lives and figuring it out along the way. So come hang out. Sometimes I have guests on who do really cool things, some of my best friends, or it's just me and my house that I spend way too much time in. So let's get into the show. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the House Guest Podcast. This episode is so good. We are going to get straight into it. We actually have one of the founders of Symbiotica on, and she is a powerhouse in giving us the best advice. It is such an amazing episode. She has such calming energy. I just Oh my God, I love her. She's welcome back on the show anytime. So use code houseguest on symbiotica.com for 15% off site-wide or create your custom bundle and get up to 45% off. I'm listening to podcasts everywhere where it's saying, start your New Year's rituals now, get ahead of it, you know, at my let separation season, okay? So I'm actually stocking up on a bunch of supplements under the fitness and the brain health category, getting super into brain health. I actually went to brain training today. That's a story for another time. Um, And then I'm also just stocking up on some of the household items under home care, the laundry detergent, uh, literally everything. It's stunning. It's amazing. They have some of the coolest products ever. So anyways, if y'all are interested, it is Code House Guest. Love this episode so much. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. I was telling you, I love the episode with Sif on Dream Bigger podcast. It was just so great. And I loved everything I don't know. I feel like you were just such a good guest to have on this podcast because we talk so much about like navigating your 20s and advice. And I love what you guys talked about with like becoming like a powerhouse of a woman. So would you be able to give us just a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's uh, beautiful Austin. Love to be here, except the weather today. It's really rough. It's rough. Yes. So a little bit about myself. I was born in Afghanistan and left there when I was three months. I've never been back, but uh, I have a just a very special place in my heart for the country in which I was born in. It taught me to have love for women and children, especially because every single day women's women have their rights stripped from them. And so I am reminded every day of how lucky that I am to be here in America. And I say that I am Afghan American because I'm very Americanized, but one of my personal like mantras in life is in order to know where you're going, you must always know where you've come from. And I'll never forget where I'm from. I'm from Afghanistan. So it gives me so much gratitude in my heart knowing that I'm here today in America and that I have the privilege to live and build the life of my dreams that I'm doing every single day. Left Afghanistan at three months. I grew up with an incredibly strict father he, his intentions were positive. He meant well for me, but he was a little bit of an alcoholic and he did not want me to go out, have friends. He believed that like the pinnacle of my success was cooking and cleaning because culturally that's pretty normal in the Middle Eastern culture back at home. So for me wanting to go out to get an education, go to university and be an independent woman was like a shock factor like that was that I was like the black sheep going against all odds and then I love fashion and so I was always like really I was like a fashionista at a very young age and he was like you can't wear that you can't wear shorts and I'm like this guy's crazy 
So I had a very tough upbringing growing up. I cried a lot, spent a lot of time with myself. And during my dark times and during the times where I couldn't go out and I spent time just with myself, I learned what self-love was. So that's really like my, what I love to share with young women and just young people is that everyone has a story. Everyone has a hardship. Everyone has some type of adversity that they've been through. It's like for me, my father was very, very physically and verbally abusive towards me. And so I always now today being a grown woman, I'm like, gosh, you know, I wonder, like I must have a little bit of PTSD from my childhood. But I think that everyone has a story. And at the end of the day, it's not what you've been through. I've never victimized myself for my childhood. I think it's what you tell yourself. It's the thoughts that you have in your head that determine your outcome. And at a very young age, I realized that I am going to be a powerful businesswoman and I'm going to help other women strive. I'm going to share my blueprint of my life and the things that I've experienced. And I think that there's a world where all women can be successful. So I live in a world today where I love women. I have a lot of self-love. I have like my own little routines that I do that make me feel like I'm first and foremost taking care of myself and then I can be a great mother to my two daughters and a great wife to my husband of 23 years. Everyone has a story. Everyone has pain. Everyone's got a challenge. But at the end of the day, it's what do you do with that that determines who you are and the outcome of your story. I want to talk about self-love. And you said you learned what self-love was. So can you elaborate on that and then also share some of the habits and routines that you have for self-love? Yes. So so my habits in my 20s, obviously very different than my 30s and 40s. Now I'm like all about anti-aging and trying to stay young and healthy and fit. But in my 20s, for me, manifesting, I think, is is a big part of it. So first off, with self-love, I was meditating um, in my 20s and 30s. And I think meditation is really, really powerful because it aligns you with your thoughts and it just helps you really kind of get your thoughts in order to really go after what it is you want in life and just be in touch with your emotions, both spiritually uh, and emotionally. So meditation was very big for me. The other thing is I've always been avid workout person. I love working out. And over the years, I realized that I need to be authentic to myself. And I like one hour workout when I was in my 20s was very doable. But then in my 30s, being a hardcore career girl and being in corporate America was not very doable um, because I worked very long days. And so now what is like self-love for me is I work out 30 minutes every single day. My morning starts off with my meditation and I always have gratitude in my heart because I think that the world that we live in today, there's so much sadness around us that's going on. You need to take a moment to just be thankful for everything that you have. And sometimes I think with like social media, we always want more. We always want the things we don't have. But how about just taking a moment and being thankful for the things that we do have? And so my morning starts out with just gratitude and being thankful. And then I love my skin regimen. So I'm really big on that morning and in the evening. And I do a light therapy. So I've got one of those like massive lights Mm -hmm. in my bedroom. My husband's like, what are you doing? looks like you're going to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, mentally I am. And I love listening to just different positive affirmations and reading books that help me realign my thoughts. Life is not always perfect, you know, especially when owning and operating businesses. Um, Things don't always go the way you want them to go. But 
I read a lot of books. I think the last thoughts that you go to bed with are really important. And then the first thoughts that you wake up with. So that's part of my self-love. Sundays is my day where I'll do whatever I want to do. And some of those days it's like, uh, I have to go to the spa or other days it's just like, I want to read a book. But I think it's important to really love yourself and take care of yourself and be kind to yourself. And we live in a just a, a really funky time right now where part of like the world will make you feel guilty if you take time for yourself. But I think the only way to be able to show up for those around you and show up for your husband or your significant other or as a, as a parent is first to love yourself and to be good to yourself. And then that's how you can spread that love. What are some of your favorite books? Um, so I love the Jay Shetty, How to Think Like a Monk. One of the other books that was written was Obstacles Welcomed by my mentor, Ralph De La Vega. He was the former CEO of AT&T and now is on the board of American Express. He wrote a book about just welcoming adversity and the more adversity that you endure in life, the more you learn about yourself and the more that you grow as a person. So I've always just welcomed any hardships that come my way. And I believe that as a leader in your own life, when you come th- across a problem, it's just because you haven't come up with the, the right solution. So I always say to my husband, any challenges that we have in the workplace, I'm like, we just haven't identified the right solution. But there is a solution out there. And I think what's the difference between good and great is, you know, people that are great always find a way and they always find a solution. So that's one of the books that I absolutely love. Just any books that are just about like positive thinking. I'm really big on that. I want to backtrack a little bit because you grew up with a dad who it it really just wasn't the norm, especially to become someone like you, like such a powerhouse of a woman, a businesswoman, you know, outside of working outside of the home. How did you have like the confidence to follow and build the dream that you wanted to when you weren't really necessarily being told that as a kid? So that's a really interesting question. So I had no, um, I had no other option but to believe in myself when every single day seemed just dark. So I'd come home from school and it was like lights off. It was just a very dark place to be because my dad never sat down with me to say, you know, how are you? How was school? He never took the time to get to know me. At that point, I didn't realize that it was manifesting, but I would cry, of course, and then I'd put music on. So I think music is very healing. So I always had music on in my background and it would help lift up my like my vibrations of whatever it was I was going through. And then I would look through a lot of magazines and I would cut out photos of what it is that I wanted, my life, the husband, like anything that made me feel good, I would cut out and I would basically create this massive collage. And I have like posters and journals of collages. And Again, in my 20s, I didn't realize that was manifestation. But for me, I always knew that the only way to get out of my darkness was to think positive things and to think, okay, if I can't control this moment, what what is it that I want? And I would just consume myself with those thoughts until it became mine. I want to dive into manifesting yeah. and get even more specific. I feel like I was visualizing and manifesting as a kid too without necessarily realizing what it was. And then my grandpa would watch, what's the the secret? Yeah, you know, yeah the secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so yeah. then we would always talk about it as a family and I got really into it. But what are specific ways that you're manifesting now that maybe you've changed and maybe like little like tips and tricks that you've picked up along the way since you were doing it as a kid? Okay, so the first one is I 
will not hang out or spend time or be around anything that's toxic. Toxic to my soul, toxic to my vibration, toxic to my thoughts. And my husband's like, that's kind of crazy. And I'm like, no, we'll go out and be at a social gathering. And I'm like, that person didn't make me feel good. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it just, I could just tell like that wasn't a girl's girl. I don't want to waste my time, time that I'm not going to get back with someone who like doesn't encourage, support and uplift other women. And so I have to disconnect. So for me, I believe that part of manifestation, there's a few pillars that align. And today, I think that I can manifest anything. My husband's like, you are crazy. But I'll tell you what I think. Number one is you have to remove yourself of any anything that's toxic to you, toxic to your thoughts, toxic to how you feel, toxic, just that brings negativity and drama to you. So I like to surround myself with people that make me feel good and where I feel loved and supported around them. And then you know, at work where I spend a lot of my time at our office, we have an amazing culture. Symbiotica, we don't, there's like, there's no drama. Everyone's very supportive of one another. And it's a very loving environment. We all have the same goals going after the same mission to help people. Then I would also say that I believe that part of manifestation is you have to be able to think outside yourself. So philanthropy work is really important for me. Having two daughters in my life today, I want to teach them to be able to think outside themselves. So what does that mean for me? Being born in Afghanistan, I've gone back. Well, I haven't physically gone back, but I've built three schools in Afghanistan. And like today, women can't go to school. So my schools are um, supporting orphanage children. And so I believe that part of manifesting is you in your heart and soul, you have to do it with the right intention is to be able to give back to those that need help. And so I do it in Afghanistan and then I do it locally. In San Diego, we do it with like community and giving back is a big part of our ethos at Symbiotica. And so I think giving back is a really big part of manifesting. And then I think the other part of manifesting is just really knowing what you want and just being very true and authentic to yourself and meditating on it. And every single day having a clear, for me, I love to write. So I like journal everything. I love to take notes on what it is I'm trying to accomplish that day. And I say every single day, you should have something on your list that's going towards your goal. And what you don't realize is all these little microcosms of these things that you're doing each day where your energy, your vibration, what you're doing in like your daily work is going towards this goal that you're trying to accomplish. Again, it's it's the self-love, it's meditating, it's having gratitude, it's doing philanthropy work and thinking outside yourself and then surrounding yourself with the right people that help you um, foster positive thoughts and help, you know, really inspire and ignite the side of you that is unstoppable. Do you have any advice for someone who would maybe be in their 20s feeling very lost and confused on what they want to do with their lives? My first advice would be limit yourself on social media because I think social media could be a little toxic. When you go into social media, it makes you feel like your life is less than everything else you're seeing. And the truth is you need to take a step back and just be grateful for your own life. And your journey and your story is very different than everyone else's. So I think you have to have like a good balance in terms of the social media. And then I think it's important to really have a clear vision of what it is you're trying to go after. And then my advice to them would be surround yourself with people that are already in that position. 
because the more you can foster an environment where people are already in that role, they can mentor you, they can support you, and they can help get you to those positions. Um, whether it's somewhere in your career that you want to go to, or if it's like you have a passion in a specific area, whether it's um, photography or I, I don't know, I'm just making it up, but just whatever it is, I would say identify who it is where you are like, wow, I really look up to this person. This person in my eyes is very successful at what they do. I would say reach out to that person and try to really align yourself with them. And I think that most people that are confident in what they do, they're open to supporting and mentoring and helping folks in their line of work. I want to talk about being a girl's girl because I love how much you talk about it. And I do think it's so important. Um, Was there a point in your life when you like just was it your like growing up being born in like Afghanistan? Like what was it that made you such a girl's girl? My mother. So uh, I grew up with three brothers, strict father, and my only girlfriend my whole life has been my mother. And she was my like guiding force who would say to me, you know, you can self-destruct because your father is strict and because your father isn't kind to you, or you can make something of yourself and go after it, make something of yourself. And at the end of the day, like the joke's on him because look who you will become. And so my mother's the one that taught me self-love. She also taught me the girl's girl, like the girl's code of like respecting other girls and lifting them up. And I did that within like my own community of girlfriends. And I've always done that. And I was just telling, you know, Julia back at the hotel, like I love girls because to me, we are all so freaking powerful. And every single woman brings something so unique and dynamic to the table, as long as you're comfortable enough to see it. And for me, 67% of our entire team at Symbiotica are females. And I am incredibly proud of that. I'm like, yes, I have smarter, more intelligent, more brilliant, beautiful women around me on the daily that I'm learning from, that I'm growing from. So my mom taught me that and I want to instill it every single day having two daughters. I've got a daughter, Yasmin, who's 10 and my youngest, Ariana, is eight and a half. And I teach them every day that, you know, you are who you surround yourself with and your your girlfriends, your friends, you've always got to lift them up, baby girl, because the more you lift them up, the prettier that you are as a girl. And you don't compete with your friends. We as women, we don't compete. I think, again, social media makes you feel like we should compete with one another. But the truth is we don't compete. I will say I do think there's been such a shift even just in the past five years where I feel like prior it always felt like everyone was in a competition specifically with women. But I've definitely noticed a shift. And I don't know if it's like a Gen Z thing or what it is, but I've noticed a shift where women are just more supportive of each other and more collaborative instead of competitive, which I think is amazing. Yeah. It's much, much better. Yeah, I've seen that too. And I do think it's much better. And I think that there are a lot of women out there who have a platform who are sharing and touting that message. And I think that we're just such a stronger force together when we align, not when we compete. And I'm hoping that, you know, for the small group of women who um, I can influence or be a sphere of influence, I want to show them, I want to live a life and I want to show them just the amount of women that I can surround myself with on the daily. I'm often asked, like, how do you do all that you do being a mom, being a businesswoman, being a wife? And the truth is I surround myself with amazing, an amazing support system of women. That's how I do it. I love that. I want to talk about Symbiotica. I have so many questions. Can you start by just sharing how you got involved? 
Yes. My husband and I, uh, his name is Shahab. I keep referencing as my husband, yeah. but Shahab. We spent a little over 10 years in corporate America and we decided that we wanted our time back because we started a family and we were never seeing our kids. We were like seeing them through our phones and asking the nannies, how are the kids are doing? And they're like, the kids took their first steps. And we're like, oh, we missed the first steps. And we realized at that point that we had to reprioritize our life and realign for us like what was important. It was no longer about the money. It wasn't about the title. We had kind of checked box both of those items. So long story short, we were on our fourth business together. We were living in the East Coast. We live in Atlanta. We came back to Orange County because all of our friends and family are from OC. And during a visit back, my husband um, got together with one of his high school friends, who's our partner, business partner. And he had this company, which I call like the 1.0 version. And it was one product, didn't have an infrastructure. It was only one employee and said, listen, like your lifestyle and who you guys are aligns with what I'm trying to do, except I don't have like the business experience to scale this business. So I would love for you guys to partner with me. And we create this, what I call Symbiotica 2.0. And my husband and I, we, that's our passion. We love to build scale businesses. Um, but for us, on our fourth business, we had decided that we were going to retire for some time and we had the financial means to do so. But when this opportunity presented itself, it aligned with our values and um, we knew that the next thing we wanted to get into was to teach our children to be able to do something where you can help the world out. And this was it. So for us, we decided to partner with our business partner. And I think, you know, the rest is history. We went from one product to 40 and wow. went from one employee to now we've got over 110 employees. We've got a headquarters in San Diego. We have uh, have an infrastructure where everything is in-house from our tech to our marketing, to our customer experience, to fulfillment. And my husband and I work together every day and I love it. We, you know, the dynamic that we have as a couple we bring to work. And that's the foundation of us is love, respect, and the things that he's great at, I'm not good at. And I think that my skill sets are his areas of potential opportunity. But I am like the more creative side. I'm the people, the culture, the operations. And he's all about the sales infrastructure, how to build the business, the finance. So he's the brains and I just show up. I love how you're like, yeah, we built and scaled four businesses prior as if it's just like, oh, whatever. Like we have all the time in the world. Like that's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that the truth is most people talk about their success. We failed a lot. We failed a lot. There were times where we were like, how are we going to, how are we going to pay the mortgage? And we went through um, some tough times before we obviously, you know, we say success is not linear, but we we've, we've experienced a lot. We've learned a lot. We've grown and we've tried, we've taken everything from our experience from corporate America to owning four businesses, Symbiotica being our fifth, and we've applied it to our company now. And we continue to win best place to work. And I think that we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot from corporate America. We learned what it takes to build a great culture. I always say hire people that you want to spend time with. You know, and, and we hire very talented people that are passionate about their craft and we bring them in and we love to support them and provide them with resources and then have an open door policy where they know all the leaders are available and accessible to them. And at the end of the day, the way we run our companies is their failure and their success is, is mine. And so it's very personal. I want everyone in my company to su succeed. 
Can you give us a little bit of a background in your career? Yes. My first job was at Vons. I was like paper and plastic. And <laughs> I'm really proud of that. That was like my summer job. And I loved it because I just loved making money. And I loved the independence that came with it. Like I have money and I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. Yeah. I went to UCLA. When I graduated, I got recruited to work for T-Mobile. So I worked at T-Mobile Corporate, started out in sales. And then shortly after sales, I got promoted into marketing, then did operations. And I was at T-Mobile for um, about seven years. And then I decided to take some time off and start my family. I had a very, very terrible pregnancy. I was like sick 24 hours a day. And like the entire duration of the pregnancy, I was sick and nauseated. So on the beginning, I decided I'm going to continue working. And then I couldn't show up to work and be who everyone like had always seen me as being like a, you know, overachiever. I never ever looked at the amount of hours I worked. I just looked at was the job done and was it done with quality? Um, and was I proud of the work? And so I can no longer perform that. And when I realized that I could no longer be my best, I decided to resign. And after resigning, I got recruited to AT&T and my husband worked at AT&T at the time. And that's a really interesting story. We were at a corporate event for him with some of the higher level execs. My husband was a high level exec at AT&T and his CEO, which was Ralph De La Vega at the time, he said to me, Dorana, what do you do? Do you, do you work? And I was like, oh boy. And at that time I worked at T-Mobile. So I looked at him and I decided <laughs> I'm just gonna be really honest because I mean, it's only gonna go one or two places. Either my husband's gonna get terminated or they're going to appreciate my honesty. And I said, I am actually sleeping with the enemy. I work for T-Mobile and he just started laughing. And I said, but what I do is entirely different. So he ran sales for AT&T. And at that time I ran T-Mobile for um, the Northwest. And so I said, well, I run marketing. So I don't think we have a conflict of interest. And he just really appreciated my honesty. And there was like, it was like dead silent at the dinner table. And he said, well, we've, we need to do what we got to do to get you over to AT&T. Wow. And I said, wow, I would love that. So when I decided to take a year off of work, that only lasted about six months. Uh, AT&T offered me a job and I oversaw all of marketing for um, the North and my husband was overseeing sales. Worked for AT&T for about four and a half years and had my second daughter. And at that time, my priorities really changed because I had like two girls and they were growing up and I was missing a lot of their first, like first steps, first words. And I realized I need to reprioritize what's important to me and it can't be about money. And when my daughters grow up, I can't say to them like, so what's like, you never see your mommy, but what can you tell her? What can you tell us about your mommy? Well, she owns a lot of bags. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want that. I want my kids to be like, my mommy helps out people in the world and hear the stories. And here's like, I make, I get my kids involved with the philanthropy work that I do. We go clean up the beaches in San Diego as a company. I bring my kids. Like, mommy, I'm tired. I'm like, no, you have to keep doing this because I want them to have a sense of like giving back. And so anyway, so after um, corporate America, my husband and I started our first um, chain of retail stores. We owned Cricket Wireless stores. We scaled from one to 400 and like it was like 400 and like 30 something. That was a long time ago. And so anyway, so we did that. Then we also started an accessory company. So we've had many businesses and not all of them were always successful. We had times where we were like, how are we going to pay the bills? But then, you know, when we did make money, we made you know smart financial decisions and um, we were able to, you know, 
just have a good financial portfolio where when we decided after our fourth company, like we are going to retire or the next thing we get into is going to be purely with passion and it's going to be very like intentional where we're not doing it for money. There was sabbatica. I feel like you were just so resilient. Like how do you push past the failures? You always talk about, you know, everyone talks about the successes, but when you're in like lower points in business, how did you push through that? So, you know, again, having like, I think I have a lot of grit because of my childhood and my childhood taught me that there's always a way and you just have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in what you're doing. And so when there were times where financially we were like really struggling, I just knew that at the end of the day, I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to work hard. And that's why I'm so proud to say that I worked at Vons and I was the bagger. Because I think at the end of the day, you just have to have pride in what you do and you have to have a great attitude to whatever you're doing and you have to have aptitude. And I'm not afraid to work hard. So I always knew that no matter what, I won't fail because I'm not afraid to work hard. I'm not afraid to work. And so if I fail at this, I'm just going to get back up and I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to try something different. And I'm just going to fail as many times that I have to in order to get that thing right or to get whatever it is I'm going after. I like that because it's just like failure isn't the end. No. You know, it seems like you have a great marriage. So how did you guys meet and how have you kept this marriage through also working together, having kids, having these crazy schedules? So Shahab, if he was here right now, he would love this story because when we first met, so we had a lot of mutual friends and gosh, I didn't, I was like this guy, who is this guy? Who invited him to the party? He was like quite the little playboy. And I was like always into a very like mysterious guy. I'm like, I want the quiet guy in the room. He was not the quiet guy. <laughs> um, so we met through mutual friends. We had a lot of mutual friends. And the first time we met him was, at, I met him, it was at a lounge in, in Orange County called Ego. My cousin was running the club at the time and begged me to come. I was at UCLA. And I was like, oh, you want me to drive all the way from LA to Orange County? And he said, yes, please come. We have all these artists showing up and I love to dance. So I said, okay, fine. Like, sounds like good music. And it was a, a nightclub. So I walked into the lounge and he was walking out. And the first things he said to me is he said one day, he said, hi, I'm Shahab. And I said, hi, I know who you are. And then he said, I'm going to marry you one day. Wow. I said, you need to take that line into the club for uh, uh, like a girl that's going to be impressed by that. Mm -hmm. I'm not impressed. Because I kind of felt like this guy's such a playboy. He probably tells these girls lines like this yeah. all the time. See, that's what I always wonder when people have stories like that. I'm like, but did the guy say it to everyone? You know what I mean? But it it worked out. So then it works, it, you know? I, you know, I guess the joke's on me 23 yeah. <laughs> years later. So I, I shook his hand and I said, it's nice to meet you. And that was it. And so I went into the club. I don't know where he went at that time. Meanwhile, well, he's like shopping for rings. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like shopping for rings. And so at the end of the night, Valet uh, pulls up and he shows up. And of course, he's that guy who's got you know, his convertible Porsche. And I'm like, oh, this guy, he's just so like flashing. He's kind of loud about how he does things. So at any rate, so my girlfriend had a two-door Honda Civic at the time. And uh, I, I was commuting with her and his friend gets in my girlfriend's car. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't have a ride now. And of course, like it was so planned out. He shows up and he drives forward and he says, hey, 
can I get your phone number? And I leaned forward and I said, hey, you cannot. <laughs> and I said, but your friend just jumped in my girlfriend's car. And he said, I know we're all going to the same place. And I was like, gosh, I'm stuck with this guy. So I got in the car with him and uh, we all went out. We went to this this very fancy place called Del Taco. <laughs> Love that place, actually. Yes, right? In your 20s, <laughs> you ate Del Taco. So anyhow, we all showed up there and I, I got in the car with him and he like put his top down and I was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? It's like freezing. He's so corny. Like he's trying to impress me and I'm not impressed. So I wasn't very impressed by him. Um, we all showed up to the same destination at Del Taco. And he said to me, he actually leaned in for a kiss. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not going to make out with you. But nice try. I was like, listen, it's nice to meet you. Thank a you for effort. so much. Yeah, A for effort. <laughs> uh, I'm going to head into my girlfriend's car. And that was it. And about two, three months went by and all of our mutual friends were like, what did you do to that guy? He won't stop talking about you. And I'm like, actually, I didn't do much. I, you know, I felt like I was kind of rude and I just, I wasn't into him. It's a long story. Now I'm going to make it the, the story, part of the story um, that he says is interesting. So my girlfriend in college needed a cell phone and he owned a cell phone store. So I called my cousin and I said, where can Leslie go to get a phone? And he said, have him go to Shahab's store. Shahab will take good care of her. This is the time where like phones were expensive. They didn't give you accessories for free. You had to pay for it. So when Leslie went there, he gave her everything under the sun for free. And he said, I want one thing in exchange. I want a date with your roommate. So she comes back and Leslie, valedictorian, smart girl. She comes back and she's like, he's a really nice guy. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. I think you need to call back and you need to pay for your phone and your accessories. <laughs> I am not going on a date with this guy. So she tried for like weeks. And then finally I said, she was like, listen, I think you've misjudged him. And I said, she was a really like brilliant girl. So I said, maybe you're right. I said, okay, fine. I'll go on a date with him, but it's got to be on a Friday night and he needs to show up at exactly six o'clock. So he lived in Orange County and to get from Orange County to LA, it's about a three hour commute to get there, you know, by 6 PM. Mm -hmm. And I thought if he was going to go through that effort and I put him through that, then sure, I'll go on a date with him and get to know him. He shows up six o'clock sharp on the dot and we go out to a restaurant in Santa Monica called Aqua. I don't know if it's still there, but it was a beautiful restaurant. And he just like whined and dined me like this guy ordered every appetizer and like every dessert. So I said to him right when the um, dessert came, I said, Shahab, thank you so much for bringing me to this restaurant. I want you to know something about me. A woman of my caliber and the way that I feel of myself is that I can buy myself and bring myself to places like this as long as I'm willing to work hard for it. What I need from the man of my dreams and the man in my life is to give me something I can't give myself. For everything else, I'll work towards that. And I got up and I went, I'll never forget, the restroom was downstairs. And I go downstairs and I'm like, I have this one credit card to my name. It's like the one visa where they throw you like a towel on campus. I had a credit limit of $500 and I had no idea what this bill was going to be. But I called the 800 number and I said, you cannot decline this transaction. I'm on a date with this guy and he thinks he's going to sleep with me. I need you to give me a credit increase or do whatever you can. But please do not, do not decline this transaction. And I was, this guy on the other end said, okay, well, I'm going to stay on and go ahead, give your card to them. I'm going to do a credit increase. And I picked up the bill. And for me, as I got to know him, and I say, I was like, I unpeeled who he really was. He had like a 
who I saw at the clubs and with his friends were this like alter ego, but who he actually was, was the most incredible human being that I'd ever met in my life. Today, I am who I am because of him. We've been married for 23 years. He's my best friend. And when there's times and moments where I'm somewhere that he's not, I miss him and I'm texting him like, I wish you were here. So now to kind of go into like life and marriage, it's not easy. And what I share with everyone is if you go into life and you're looking at the gram and you think that Valentine's Day, he has rose petals everywhere. Well, the truth is she probably set that up for herself and she's given him kudos. So don't be so hard on your significant other. Life is not perfect. And for me, I started taking all the guessing game out of my relationship. What do I mean by that is Valentine's Day. If I have the desire to go to a specific restaurant, I will take initiative to make reservations there. And I'll let my husband know that tonight we're going here. And then also if it's my birthday or there's an occasion where he wants to buy me a gift, I take the guessing game out of it. I give him the top five things that I want. So he can't fail because I've already given him the list. And then the other thing that's really important for me is that every single day I try to do a little something special for him. And that doesn't necessarily always mean it has to be tied around money, but it's like maybe it's folding his clothes or maybe put, I, I still put out his clothes. Um, every time we go somewhere, we travel, I pack for him. It's finding the little things that I believe that when you, when you do it, that's what adds your value into the relationship. But when you don't do it, your presence is missed. When we go out to dinner, like if we're at dinner at a family member's home, I will always make his plate first. And it's not because he can't do it. It's just because it's my way of showing my love for him. He's not into fashion at all, but I always love to put his clothes out for him because I realize like I love clothes and I love fashion. So I'll help him get dressed. And so it's finding those little things that matter to him and are important to him and you starting to sprinkle into that. So he's really into football. And so every single Sunday, if I'm not doing the things for myself, well, one of the things is first in the mornings when it's like Sunday football, I will make him a really big brunch because he's a big foodie and he loves to eat. And then after that, it's like my time. So I think it's identifying what's important to him and making it important to you and realizing that a relationship is just like, I don't, don't take this the wrong way. It's not like a job, but when you think about a job, you don't go in and say, I'm going to be like yesterday, right? You say, I'm going to be better than yesterday. I'm going to win my day a little bit more than I did yesterday. And I think that that's what a relationship is like. Think about every day, how you can make it just a little bit more special, just a little bit more better. I also want to add that in the evenings, I have like what's called our time where the kids go down to bed and I'm like, please do not come up the stairs unless there's like a fire down there or like a severe emergency. This is mommy and daddy's time. So I think, you know, respecting and having boundaries with your children where you teach them that the most important love that they can experience is the love of their mother and father. So we do date nights one night a week and we do it together. And then we do a date night with the kids. I need to go back to this first date. So when you paid the bill, yes. how did he react? Again, he said, he didn't say anything. First, he was shocked. I'll never forget that moment where he like, you put the spoon down and the waiter brought me the bill. And he said, what? And if he was here today, he would say to you that he had never ever experienced that. So he said, furthermore, at that moment, I realized you were the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And I wanted him just to know that I had self-respect and I love you. And I'm, I know you can pay for all this, but I am going to be the type of woman where I can pay for it myself. 
And today, I think one of the things that he knows about me is that I'm not afraid to work hard. And he knows that with or without him, I'm going to build this life that I dream of. But of course, with him, it's so much sweeter and so much easier because we've got a beautiful partnership. But I think that's really important that when you have a significant other, that they know that you are building life with them. And for everyone, that has a very different definition. But for me, like I want to build life with him, whatever our dreams are, whatever my aspirations are, I want to go after it with him. I want to be in the tough times with him. I want to I want to come up with solutions with him. And I want him to know that I'm I'm his rock and I'm his partner in life and we're going to build this together. See, this makes me want to be in love. Like, this is what I need to do in my life, you know? Yes. Got to figure out. I think love is the most beautiful thing in the world. And I agree. I say, love what you do. Love the people that you're around. Love yourself. And find someone that you're so in love with them where every single day, like every single day, and this sounds so corny, but I wholeheartedly mean this. Every single day, I think I'm living a dream with this guy. Like little things like this morning, like he wakes up and he makes me a cup of coffee. He still does all those little things and it matters. And it, it, you know, he knew today, like I had this and he's like scheduling the car service. Like, so he does all the things where he adds his little taste and flavor into my life to make it so much sweeter. And I love him. And I encourage everyone to find love, whatever that means, whatever that, whatever that definition is for you find love, find love in everything you do and find love in the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That is beautiful. Where did you even like find the direction to be so intentional with your relationship? I knew that I wanted a relationship unlike the relationship that my mother had. She had an arranged marriage. And so my mom was married at the age of 16, which was very normal back then, back in the Middle East. And she met my father on the night of her wedding. And so for me, I feel like I was like so dreamy. I was like, I want to be in love with my husband. I want to think about, I want him to consume my thoughts. I didn't even know this, but I was like manifesting my husband. I would literally cut out pictures of like what I wanted the guy to be like. And then I would think to myself, what are the things that are important for me that I want my husband to do? And most important thing is, is I wanted him to just respect me as a woman. And I wanted him to really support me because my father never did. So I wanted all the things that my father never gave me. It was like, for me, I guess it was very easy because I didn't receive love from my father, but then now I receive all the love and more from my husband. And uh, he's very supportive of who I am and always says, you be you and let me deal with the rest. (laughs) And I love that about him. And he always says, a happy life is a happy wife. And he really lives that life. And I, like I said, try every day to just just be a good wife to him and be a good person and make him proud. So yeah, that's probably my number one priority. And I always tell my kids, I actually love daddy more than anyone here in the home. And they're like, more than me? And I'm like, yeah, because the foundation of our home is our love. And I want my girls to see that. And my daughters today are learning how a man should treat a woman through how their father treats me and just what a gentleman he is towards me. And the things that he does, like, you know, I love to cook. And he's like, I'm going to grab the groceries. You don't grab the groceries. So we've got a good like yin and yang and a good balance. And he's not like, I'm a man and you're a woman. He's like, we're a team. Let's do this. I love that. That is so beautiful. The last thing I want to ask you, if someone is new to Symbiotica, what are your top, let's say, let's go top three favorite products. Okay. So first I would say, I would always say, check with your physician on just what it is that your body is going through, what you need, what's lacking. 
For me, my top favorite products are glutathione. I love glutathione, top antioxidant, and I love to drink a glass of wine a night. So I think it just helps flush my cells, turns everything over. So glutathione, I love my B, um, my B12 because I need energy. Being a mom, being yeah, a I wife, uh, I feel like I'm going at a thousand miles per hour. And then I love my vitamin C because it's beauty from within. So if you've had any of those three products, they taste good. And I've got a palate of a child. So if I enjoy the products, I know, you, you know, the, the listeners were, will. Um, but for me, it's that. And then I would say vitamin D because I have a vitamin D deficiency. So those would be my top four products. And you can go on and on. And I love probiotic and magnesium because it helps me stay regular and just, you know, no brain fog. And so I think everyone has to figure out what's right for like their lifestyle. And if they have, um, for me, I have autoimmune disease. So I, you know, I have to figure out things that my body needs. Um, and so for me, it's the vitamin C, the vitamin D, B12, B6, and my glutathione. I love the palate of a child. <laughs> I do. That is the number one thing people say about Symbiotica, though, is that it tastes really good. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to find, you know? It's, you know, we put a lot of um, research and development into our products from ideology until when it comes out to our consumers. So we really test everything from taste to the efficacy of our, you know, how we make our products. We're super transparent about our ingredients. And so I think today, you know, it's one of the best that's out there in the industry. And I always say it's how I live my life. It's, I live it with symbiotic every single day. And I have a discount code. So it's in the description too, as well. I highly recommend, but thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a great episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And thanks for all that you're doing and just the community of listeners and women. And I love everything that you represent. So thanks for letting me be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. If you love this episode, please don't forget to leave a rating and review. It really helps the show grow. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram or YouTube at Kinsey Elizabeth or on TikTok at Kinsey the Texan. I drop new episodes every Thursday and they're also available to watch on YouTube. Thanks so much for listening and I will talk to y'all next Thursday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.